You know, we're in this series, Say Amen. And amen is a little word that we say to a big God. And it means so be it. Amen, it's a declaration that we make because you understand that God is with you, that God is faithful, and God is good. And that in that sense, we we realize that God is bigger than whatever it is you're facing today. God is big enough, God is strong enough, and that area where you doubt that God is big enough, you will struggle with fear in your life. You will find it difficult to pray and say amen, so be it. You know, this world is full of twists and turns. It's got problems. We face trials. And the fact is, life can be challenging to to the point that fear can overwhelm you. And I believe that following Jesus Christ is difficult at times. You know, Jesus said this. He says, then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you want to be my followers, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. Jesus called those original disciples, and he says, come follow me. And it is the same call that Jesus invites you and I to do in our life. You know, it's a call to give up your own way. It's a call to take up your cross, which is suffering, pain. And it's a call to follow Jesus faithfully. I think the uh, 12 disciples, uh, they were following Jesus, and I think they were shocked that day when they gathered in the upper room uh, for Passover, and Jesus said to them, he says, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. Jesus was pointing the disciples toward the cross that he was about to bear. He was talking about the pain and the suffering that he was going to face. It was leading to what we know as Good Friday in, in the church circles. Uh, we, we talk about that. It's the, the trial of Jesus, the crucifixion, and ultimately the death of Jesus. Then he's buried in a tomb. They rolled a really heavy stone in front of the tomb, but it couldn't keep him in. And we know that that Sunday, Jesus walked out of the grave and he was victorious. He won the victory over sin, over death. But I I was thinking about the fact, have you ever noticed that we talk a lot about Good Friday and we talk a lot about Sunday, that, that first Easter, but we don't talk about Saturday? I mean, the disciples... That Good Friday, when Jesus was tried and crucified and died, I mean, it was tragic for them. It was shocking to them. For for you and I today, it's powerful because, because of the cross, because we know about the resurrection, because we know about the victory, we, we gravitate toward that. And today what I want to do, I want to talk about the period of time before Sunday, before the final victory in the kingdom of God, before Sunday, see, I think things can be 
rather rugged in life. The challenges can be great. There's suffering, we know that. There's pain, there's trials. Because we're living between the promises of God and the fulfillment of those promises. You know, just as Jesus told the disciples that he was going to come back from the grave, well, Jesus tells us as Christ followers that he's coming back again, second coming. And here's the problem. Jesus hasn't come back yet. And consequently, as as a follower of Jesus Christ, I think we're tempted sometimes to give up. And we tend to want to explain away the promises of God. But friends, I want to tell you, it's Saturday. You know, there's the promise of God that someday we'll have a new body. But right now, well, there's sickness. There's physical struggles in life. There are aches and pains. There's a day coming, though, when there will be no more chronic pain. No more sickness, no more infirmities, because our bodies will be made new. You know, it's Saturday. There's an empty chair at some of your tables. You know, a spouse, a parent, a grandparent, a child, maybe a friend. Saturday can get tough, can't it? It's easy to get discouraged. Friends, if you're going to navigate through this life, you've got to keep your eyes focused on eternity. You know, looking to the promises of God that will be fulfilled someday when he says, no more tears, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, no more frustration. But right now, it's tough and it's very challenging. Your faith matters. Hope matters. And it's kind of in that context that the Apostle Paul writes these words. We looked at these last week. It says, I consider that what we suffer at this present time cannot be compared at all with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. When Sunday gets here, it will be glorious. You know, the present suffering will pale in comparison to that, is what Paul's saying. He goes on, he writes, he says, for the creation waits in what? Eager expectation. It's that idea of get up on your toes and try and peek into, into heaven, you know, for the children of God to be revealed. You know, a day's coming as a follower of Jesus Christ that will be delivered from corruption, from decay, will be set free in our lives. But right now, for a little while, with great expectation, we're waiting for that day that Christ comes again. He says, we know that all creation is still groaning and is in pain like a woman about to give birth. The Spirit makes us sure about what we will be in the future. But now, see, here we go. But now we groan silently while we wait for God to show that we are his children. Have you ever noticed how quickly technology changes? I mean, the other day I saw someone, they had a VHS tape 
sitting on the table. And I walked over and I go, what is that? You know, and they kind of looked down like, I don't know what that is. You know, more than 20 years ago, VHS became obsolete. Why? Because of the DVD, which also is obsolete, by the way. And that's due to streaming services, downloads. Technology changes all the time. You know, I remember uh, the first home computer. Uh, We booted the computer with a cassette tape. And so I was a kid then, and uh, we'd put the tape in, we'd boot it, and it took a while. I mean, it took a long time. So we would go out and, like, play hoops or something while, while that tape's running, and uh, we'd kind of wait it out. Then, then we'd come back in, and uh, you had a thing that was known as a C-prompt. You remember that? How many of you remember that? And so that C-prompt, we would type a command, and uh, at that point we'd go back outside and play some more basketball because we're waiting and sometimes you had to load a couple tapes and so there was lots of waiting and waiting and waiting and I'll be honest sometimes we spent more time loading the game we were going to play than we actually played the game I mean it just it took forever now you can jump on your phone and play a game immediately not during service but you could play As a kid, I was excited when the Atari came out. Amen? <laughs> I mean, the controller, it had one joystick and one button and a four-foot leash. <laughs> you could play a very simple game like Pong or Tank. Uh, Pac-Man didn't come out for a few more years. But uh, the good thing about it, didn't have to wait very long so you could play, but there were issues with it. It had glitches, and uh, the fact is sometimes the program would get uh, corrupted and it would get stuck, and the only thing you could do, this is high tech, you'd pull the cartridge out, <laughs> reboot, and start a new game. Paul is telling us in the book of Romans, there's a glitch in this world. The whole world and everything in it is corrupt. There are storms and tornadoes and hurricanes. There are car accidents. There are wars. He says, this world is broken. There's cancer, there's divorce, there's pain and suffering, there's sorrow and sadness, there's sin and death. And he says, one day, the Bible promises that God's going to pull the cartridge out and he's going to blow on it and he's going to reboot the whole thing. That's the good news. You know, Jesus Christ is coming back and he's going to rule, and there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. No more glitches, no more problems, no more difficulties, no more pain and suffering, no more tears, no more grief. You know, it's interesting. People, they, we get worked up these days, you know. They, they want to talk about who's in the White House and who's in power and who's going to take power, you know, and we got to fix this and we got to fix that. And friends, I'll tell you the ultimate solution to all the problems, it's Jesus Christ. 
You know, Jesus Christ is going to come back one day, and he's going to reign. And that is what we're longing for in our lives. You know, lots of people, I find it uh, sad or humorous, I don't know which, but lots of people think that heaven is going to be full of these chubby kind of baby angels flying around, you know, floating on clouds. We're all going to wear dresses and sing hymns and play harps, and we're going to do that for eternity. That sounds terrible. A little creepy, but it's terrible. I do not know where the idea came from. It is not biblical. There's a day coming, and God's going to reboot everything. And there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, and we're going to get new bodies, and it's going to be a new day. And I bring this up because I believe that if we can understand this, if you believe the wrong information in your life, you will be filled with unnecessary fear all the time. But if you understand what God's going to do, it'll give you that unshakable courage. And it'll actually give you strength to live life. So you can live with great expectation. So you can live with passion in this life as you wait for eternity. Because at the end of the day, friends, we are citizens of heaven. We're going to live eternity in heaven with Jesus. And every day, the fact is, things are struggle now. But there's a day coming when everything will be new, whole, perfect. But until then, we wait. We long for that day. In fact, I would say we're groaning for that day. Do you notice Paul uses that word groan several times in the passage there? You know, a woman in labor, groaning, anxiously awaiting the birth of a child. You know, we're longing and we're anxiously awaiting that birth of a new day in our lives. But sometimes in this life, all you can do is groan. You know, drive by a terrible accident, and you see that car all mangled. You groan. Your phone buzzes. You look at another breaking news alert. You know, another shooting. Another problem. Another scandal. Another catastrophe. Sometimes all you can do is groan, isn't it? You know, when you, when you encounter a tragedy, pain, suffering, grief, we groan. You know, we intuitively know that something is wrong. There's a glitch in this world And we're living between the promises of God and the fulfillment of those promises. But we we have this, I think it's universal, this longing for more. You know, it's a desire that cannot, hear this, it cannot and it will not 
be satisfied by anything in this world. You know, when you find yourself groaning, hurting, disappointed, struggling, suffering in life, you ask yourself, because you step back from it, and you go, what's the meaning of life? What's this all about? Is this all there is? You know, it's that letdown. We've all felt it. You achieve something, and and you think, oh, this is going to satisfy me. And initially, it brings that burst of happiness, doesn't it? You're convinced at that moment that everything's going to click into place finally in your life. You know, it's when you get that promotion. You get the nice bonus. It's when the business is finally going in the right direction. It's when you get that house or that car. It's when you finally hook up with that person. You know, it's that insatiable desire for more. Because somehow you think when you get more, you're going to be happy. And what happens in that moment? You realize happiness just moved. And all you can do is groan. Uh, It's a longing in us. And friends, you need to understand that groan, it's both for God and from God. And friends, if you misdiagnose the groan, you're going to mistreat it. People do this all the time in their life. Have you ever noticed, you know, don't raise your hand, but have you ever been sitting around and you're not doing anything and you think, I'm hungry. And you go eat. Nutritionists will tell you that many times when you do that, it's compulsive. You're bored. (laughs) But nutritionists say most of the time, we're really thirsty is what's going on, not hungry. Because one of the symptoms of dehydration is hunger pains. And so when you think you're hungry, what do you do? You go eat. You misdiagnose the problem. And because of that, you mistreated it. Instead of having a glass of water, you went and got a bag of potato chips, you know. People... All the time, they do things. They buy things. They pursue things. They snort things. They sleep with people. There's this misunderstanding, and they mistreat what the real issue is. They've misdiagnosed it. You know, the groan in life, it's both for God and from God. Earthly things, friends, cannot treat the problem. You're looking for something to fill your soul. You know, Haggai writes, writes this, says, I, I will shake all the nations, and what is desired by all nations will come, and I will fill his house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. You know, we're looking for God in our lives. We're looking for Jesus, looking for that living water, the bread of life. Absolutely nothing else 
will do in life. Everything in this world, hear this, everything will fall short. It will wear off, and it will disappoint, and it will leave you hungry, and it will leave you empty inside. I mean, you can be in a crowded room like this, and you feel alone. It is a groaning for God. It is also a groaning from God. You know, God placed it in you. It's part of your DNA. See, God didn't create you to be satisfied with the things of this world. That groaning, that longing, it was intended to draw you to God, to restore you to God. So we'll groan. And friends, you will always be restless until you find peace in him. It's just a fact. The groaning, it'll stop when we get to heaven. So, so what do we do here? I mean, in the meantime, till we get to heaven. Friends, I know Sunday's coming in life. But Isaiah says, but death will be destroyed forever. And the Lord God will wipe away every tear from every face. In the past, all his people were sad, but God will take away that sadness from the earth. All of this will happen because the Lord said it would. See, you you keep an eye on eternity. We talked about this last week. We get up on our toes and glimpse at heaven and life. And God is going to reboot and reset everything. Everything's going to be made right that's wrong. The day's coming when there will be no more groaning in life. But now, in this life, for this present time, we groan. All creation groans with us. Do you know that? Every bird, every stream, every mountain, every sunset awaits with eager anticipation for the system to be rebooted, reset. You know, creation's waiting with everything in them for the return of Jesus Christ so that things can go back the way they were before the fall. Yeah, it's why Jesus said, uh, he said, if you don't praise him, the rocks will cry out. See, creation is waiting. It's poised with praise. You know, the, the day that Jesus came to this earth and they placed him in a manger, do you know creation celebrated Every tree in the forest was clapping. They raised their voices in praise. All creation was doing what what it was supposed to do. Eagerly, with great excitement, anticipating the return of Jesus to this world. See, we live with that kind of anticipation. Eager expectation, Paul says, for the return of Jesus Christ. And friends, when you live that way, I'll tell you what's going to happen in your life if you live that way. It will change how you evaluate things. It will change how you see things in this world. 
you go to the doctor, annual appointment. One of the first things they do is they ask you to step up on the scales, right? I don't know you very well. You want me to step on these scales? Okay. They're evaluating how much you weigh, right? When you live your life with eager expectations and anticipation of eternity, here's what you'll start doing. you start putting stuff on the scales. You're going to evaluate how much it weighs. See, that's why Paul writes those words that we've looked at. He says, I consider that what we suffer at this present time cannot be compared at all with the glory that's going to be revealed to us. He knew about suffering. Trust me, Paul knew. Shipwrecked numerous times. He almost drowned one of them. He almost died from a snake bite. He, He was beaten, stoned, unjustly imprisoned. He was on death row for several years until they finally beheaded him. And Paul evaluated all the suffering, all the pain, all the hurt, disappointments, and he says it paled in comparison to how big and awesome heaven is. Weight, well, it's all about gravity, isn't it? And gravity has everything to do with where you're standing in your life. Now, technically, because I know i got science people out here, gravity, it's a force that attracts two objects, right? And the larger the mass, the stronger the gravitational pull. This earth, it pulls on us. And it's strong, isn't it? But if you go to the moon, well, the gravitational pulls less, right? That's why on the moon you can bounce. And in fact, if you took a 100-pound weight from the earth, took it up to, to the moon, it would weigh less, wouldn't it? In fact, we know 100 pounds would become 16 pounds. That would change your workout, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Ah, Easy. I mean, what's the difference? Did did the weight change? The object changed? No. What you're standing on changed. The pull grows weaker and it weighs less. It depends on what you're standing on in life. And friends, if you're standing on your trials, your problems, your suffering, if that's all you can see, then I will tell you that it's going to pull you down and it's going to weigh heavy. It's going to get extremely heavy. In fact, those things are going to seem almost insurmountable at times. But if you have a heavenly perspective, if you are eagerly anticipating and expecting heaven, all of a sudden that weight's going to shift because you're standing on the promises of God. And here's, here's the second thing I think that happens. When, when you live up on your toes, kind of trying to get a peek into eternity, as you groan in life, and you will, 
you're going to have better footing in your life. You, you operate from a firmer foundation in life. It's why boxers, they tell them, stay up on their toes. When I played basketball, I said, stay on your toes. You know, anticipate what's coming your way. You know, it's that float like a butterfly, sting like a bee mentality. You know, you're anticipating. The worst thing that could happen as a fighter is they get you on your heels. In fact, that's a great way to get knocked out. I mean, Peter, he, he warns us here. He says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from the worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. We're in a fight, a battle. I mean, we're in a war. And the evil one, see, Satan wants to catch you on your heels because he wants to knock you out. You've got to stay on your toes. You've got to keep looking toward eternity. You know, focusing on Jesus in your life, seeing what, what is to come, not what is, what is to come. And realizing you're a citizen of heaven. We're just passing through. You know, we're on our toes looking into eternity. Friends, you will remember if you live with that focus, you'll remember you're an ambassador of heaven. This isn't your home. Heaven's your home. It's ultimately where we're going. You you start seeing the world differently when you keep your eye on heaven. And, And guess what? You start seeing people differently. In light of eternity, you realize there are people that Jesus Christ died for, people that God loves, people who is going to spend eternity in one of two places. They're people who need God. And I think if you live in light of eternity, well, you start sharing your faith because you know it matters. And here's one of the last things. I think when we, we keep focused on eternity... It elevates you in life. Because you're seeing what will be. You're you're getting a peek into heaven. You know, there's that uh, definition of elevation. One of them is, you know, it's a height above sea level. Hold that thought. Hear my prayer, oh God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. God picks us up, and he'll raise your elevation in life. And he sets you on the rock. He sets you above sea level in your life. You know, so when the the waves of pain and suffering and disappointment come come crashing in on you, you can rise above it. You don't have to drown. You, You can breathe. You can fight the fight. You can continue on because you you see eternity. 
You know that, that Christ is going to come again and he's going to reset. He's going to restore. He's going to make all things new. You can see the victory when, when everything, everything, everything is made new. But till then, we groan. And we put our faith and our hope in God. I mean, what else are you going to do? You know, eagerly awaiting the return of Jesus. Friends, that focus changes everything. Absolutely everything. So some of you got problems. We all do. <laughs> and there's pain. And some of us just even thinking about it, you want to cry. You long for perfection. You long for a better day. You're, you're longing for God. Something God's placed in you. In a real way, it's a, a gift because it draws us closer and closer and closer to God. You know, I would challenge you. Focus on heaven. Focus on heaven. When the problems come, focus on heaven. When you're disappointed, focus on heaven. When you're frustrated, focus on heaven. And focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on Jesus Christ. It's the answer for the longing. It's the only way you move through the groaning. Because this life's full of lots of groans, isn't it? Jesus can get us through that. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, today we groan. I know there are some that are broken, angry, frustrated. There's sadness, disappointment pain, suffering. God, I pray that uh, your Holy Spirit would just lift their heads, lift their eyes toward heaven, toward you, toward Jesus. God, help us to focus. When the storms come, to focus on you in the midst of whatever it is, to keep our eyes on a new day, new heaven, new earth, when everything will be perfect again. But until then, Lord, we keep our faith and our hope in you, and we groan. God, may your Holy Spirit guide our steps. May we seek you in all we say and do. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. God's people said, just remain seated. We're going to prepare for communion. Uh, They're going to share and worship with us. Uh, Words will be on the screen if you want to join in. And uh, let's just turn our eyes on Christ right now.